Welcome to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. This week, I'm joined by BMO's Boston-based fixed income salesman, Austin Darris. Austin is a resident of Boston and does sales out of Boston for us. He covers a number of U.S. clients. Hopefully, we can get his views, his clients' views on how they're looking at Canada through this challenging period. This week's episode is titled, Is Canada Cheap at Last? I'm Ben Reitzes, and welcome to Views from the North. Each episode, I will be joined by members of BMO's FIC Sales and Trading Desk to bring you perspectives on the Canadian rates market and the macro economy. We strive to keep this show as interactive as possible by responding directly to questions submitted by our listeners and clients. We value your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out with any topics you'd like to hear about. I can be found on Bloomberg or via email at benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. That's benjamin.reitzes at bmo.com. Your input is valued and greatly appreciated. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates, or subsidiaries. Austin, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. I feel like a rock star now. I think this is uh, the third time, so I'm doing something right or uh, we're both doing something wrong. Oh, that, uh, both of those are very possible. <laughs> Either way, I guess we'll, we'll let our audience decide on that one. Next week is, is the Bank of Canada, so that, that's, that'll be the focus today. There's uh, a fair amount to talk about on that front, but uh, lots of market stuff as well. I mean, things have, have gone, what word you use? Maybe Haywire would be one over the past uh, couple of weeks or so. Vicious rally in duration in both Canada and the US. Meantime, the front end has been stubborn, to put it kindly. And uh, I guess that that shouldn't be that much of a shock if what I'm going to say, I guess, shortly about the Bank of Canada is, is true and they, they continue to move down the path to tapering and and, and eventual rate hikes. It, it does make some sense that, uh, that the market is, is priced, I guess, relatively aggressively for them. Uh, while the Fed stays, I guess, compared to the Canada, at least a little bit patient. Why don't we open this way? What What are your thoughts on the market here, and then I'll, and then we can uh, move on to the Bank of Canada. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here um, Wednesday afternoon after Fed minutes, and uh, nothing really changed there. And uh, the last big thing to move the market, I'd say, was probably FOMC a few weeks back, and um, Canada was cheap and got cheaper. It seems to only get cheaper. We tend to underperform in rallies and sell-offs. And that seems to be happening again as we sit here this afternoon. H3 bed spreads and M3 bed spreads are at around 80 to 83. That's about as cheap as I've seen them. One year, one year, Quora is uh, high 80s, also as cheap as I've seen it locally. So Canada just sticks out as extremely cheap outright and cross market versus anything you want to look at. And I think we've been saying that for some time. It's optically been cheap. And it remains cheap and it's even cheaper. But now we're getting to points where I think the math is on the side of getting long for sure. We have actual hikes that are being priced in the front end. We have a path of hikes that are being priced that is more aggressive than others. I do think there are compelling things to do in this market. Um, and hopefully our, our clients and our, and our listeners agree. Fair enough. I guess um, the, the, the only counter to all that would be, um, I mean, we've been cheap for so long. So what's the catalyst at this point? Uh, especially if you look forward to next week, uh, the Bank of Canada is is almost certainly going to be tapering again. I think that that is the broad expectation right now. As they cut their purchases, that brings them that much closer to rate hikes. Uh, whereas the Fed still at least 
probably a couple months away from from even announcing tapering, uh, maybe a full quarter away from actually starting tapering. So, and then their rate hikes are that much further away, uh, given the process involved with, uh, with with tapering. So, I guess what would be the catalyst to get Canada to move? Uh, or alternatively, is it more of a U.S. driven trade? Like, is, is does the catalyst have to be a U.S. sell off when the Fed starts to to sound a, a little more hawkish generally? The answer is it could be either. Uh, definitely the U.S. side of it is going to help with regard to how cheap we are. But at the same time, you're at the point where you have a bunch of gaps in reds and greens in backs that uh, are pricing around 20. Uh, and we're so early in the cycle um, and with a hiking path viewed as 25 basis points where we're getting close to where we're priced for perfection. Earlier this morning, um, and we're recording this again Wednesday afternoon, when Cora was at around 16 this morning, it did it did snap up two basis points. And a lot of that is just noise. But you were pricing March meeting next year in OIS at above a 50% chance of a hike. March is not an NPR meeting. And, and I think these are binary type meetings. That can, in my opinion, is probably something that can be viewed as carry uh, from here to there. And, and, and we're, we're discussing really just when they actually hike and that path of hikes. So I, I, I like that. I like the, the uh, receiving March there makes, makes a lot of sense. I think the, it's very, very difficult to see the bank of Canada moving like April, April's already super aggressive. April, 2022 is already super aggressive. Uh, but before that is, is, I mean, not impossible because nothing's ever impossible, but uh, you'd, you'd need a pretty particular set of circumstances and, and a pretty positive backdrop. I mean, probably massively positive backdrop to get anywhere close to that. So receiving March does make a, a whole lot of sense to me at this point. Why don't we head into the bank and then we can we can come back to markets uh, in a second. Briefly, again, consensus is for a, a, a taper next week. Uh, we expect one as well. They're going to cut their purchases from $3 billion down to $2 billion per week. It's likely that we'll get the tapering coming across the curve again. So, so when they cut their purchases in April, uh, they cut proportionally right across the curve. I, I expect we'll get the same. And the rationale behind that is, I mean, if if in April, when there was significantly more uncertainty as to how the deal was going to unfold, they chose to cut across the curve proportionally, things are notably better now. Everything's kind of lined up in the Bank of Canada's favor. And, and so with everything that way, with everything kind of on the more positive side, I'm not sure why they'd want to soften the taper by extending maturities of their purchases a little bit. So softening that taper just doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense at this point. If you look at how things have evolved since April and since June, uh, I mean, there were, there were a couple potential speed bumps that would have put a, a taper in doubt for, for next week's meeting, but uh, they've all resolved on the positive side. And so, uh, for example, GDP growth, they, they the Bank of Canada missed Q1 by 1.4 percentage points. Uh, so growth was weaker than they expected. Uh, but they shrugged that off in June. They said, uh, no, no big deal, no worries. That's not going to uh, be a fuss for us. Uh, second quarter, they looked as though they were pretty upbeat at 3.5% for growth, given that the economy for most of the country was 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 uh, shut to some extent due, due to COVID. Uh, Ontario was was where, where I am was uh, pretty tightly locked down. Uh, but but GDP actually hung in extraordinarily well, uh, falling just 0.3% in April. And it looks like a, a similar size decline in May, uh, which which 
is pretty darn good if you consider uh, the, the extent of the restrictions in place. Uh, and so that, that puts the second quarter just because March was really strong uh, on pace for something kind of in the two, two and a half percent, maybe even three percent range. We'll see what the May actual is and uh, what, what, what June is as well. But again, not far off from their forecast uh, for, for Q2 in April. So the economy has grown more or less as they expected. That keeps the output gap on pace to close in the second half of 2022. So nothing's changed on that front. Meantime, the Canadian dollar has backed off notably in recent weeks. Uh, if you look at commodity prices in April, they're about 5% higher than where they stood at the April meeting. Uh, and the Canadian dollar is pretty much little changed o- over that time. And so th- there's no reason for them not to taper due to the Canadian dollar. You can add to that, the, the Fed has started to talk about tapering. And and that's kind of an important dynamic, I think, for, for the bank. And, and uh, not wanting to get too far ahead of the Fed again, that's that's more that's as much a Canadian dollar story as anything else. But uh, the fact that the Fed's now started to talk about tapering uh, d- does mean something. And it brings them closer to that eventual step. And, and it, it means that the, the differential between eventual rate hikes may not be as wide as it could have been if, if the bank continued on their aggressive path and the Fed stayed super conservative. So everything's lined up in the Bank of Canada's favor at this point. So no reason to expect anything but a taper next week. And I guess from there, it's, it's more a question of uh, what they do next. And what I'd like to see is a little bit more clarity on what they mean or how they're going to execute the the reinvestment phase of things, how they treat the auctions, and whether they do want to keep the balance sheet steady after auction purchases, or whether they want to keep growing the balance sheet at kind of a normal rate, which would be just kind of allowing auction purchases to uh, to grow the balance sheet slowly but surely, and, and maybe just reinvest the the the, the maturities. Uh, so there, there's some ambiguity there. I think uh, hopefully they they uh, address that in the uh, in, in the July NPR. Uh, Austin, is there anything else you think I might have missed? Do you have any 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 questions on the Bank of Canada's uh, meeting next week? It's similar to the last go around, and the two main questions, or the one main question, is really taper and how they do it. Um, but um, it's likely that they do exactly what they did last time. Um, there's really no reason to tweak it, despite what uh, we might like to see, with considering where cash versus OIS is pricing and spreads are pricing and all of that fun stuff. But um, very likely that they just go across the curve. And then there's, is there any reason for them to give us any SRO or any repo surprise on the Friday following, which seems to be their MO? And it seems like there's less of a reason this time. Do you have any view on that, Ben? Yeah, I, I don't see any reason why they would make any tweaks on the SRO at this point. Uh, we're not run, bumping up against limits, uh, against counterparty limits at this point. And so I, I don't know why they'd have to bump that up. Uh, you are seeing uh, pretty decent usage, and it's it's kind of perking up a little bit. And I don't think that should be a big shock as they continue to do QE, which which adds more liquidity to the system, and then that gets pushed into the SRO. Uh, so uh, there no no change is expected there. I guess is is the simple way to put it. Uh, expect Core to trade in kind of. 15 to 20 basis points in that neighborhood, maybe kind of 16 to 20 basis points in that neighborhood uh, pretty consistently. Uh, and, and I think that's interestingly something to kind of look forward to. Like you look out into 2022 and it's important to take that into account when you're looking at, at Bank Canada pricing because it, it's I, – I, I don't see how they're going to be able to control Cora and get it to behave and make it set closer to target in the future. They're not likely to drain liquidity in aggressive fashion anytime soon. They, I mean, they'd really have to run down their balance sheet aggressively for that. And I just don't see them being able to do that and raise rates at the same time. And so get used to Cora setting through the target, or maybe, just maybe, the Bank of Canada changes to some kind of uh, target range as opposed to uh, 
as opposed to using a, a, a point target for rates. Like maybe maybe they do something that looks more like the Fed at the end of the day as they just kind of acquiesce to the fact that they just don't have the control over core that they once did. I think you're spot on. I think at the end of the day, what we're talking about really is if they care about where Cora sets and everything's kind of gone their way and there's a very, very good chance they don't care. I just don't know why they would. I mean, if, if, they, if it was really an issue, uh, they'd probably put a little bit more effort into it at the moment. And, and because they're not, it just tells you, I mean, taking all of that liquidity out of the market is just not something I think they're, they're really able to do. Same way the Fed just ha- kind of has to live with that range. Uh, that, I mean, that going back to point targets is not happening anytime soon as long as the balance sheet is as massive as it is. And, and like there, there's just no way to unwind all that. So, I mean, I guess welcome to the Fed's conundrum for, for Bank of Canada and then good luck getting out of it. It's just not particularly likely to happen. Sure. Agreed. Let's turn back a little bit to the market here. I think that, I mean, that that pretty much covers the bank at this point. It's 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 unfortunately a little more straightforward. I'd, I'd love to be a little more contrarian, a little less consensus, but uh, everything everything's lined up one way. I've I've done my best to take the other side, but there just isn't one <laughs> at this point. So um, maybe it will get more interesting in, in September and October. But for now, uh, the, the the path ahead for the bank is is uh, pretty pretty straightforward, uh, except for except for whether they tell us or not what they'll, what they'll do next and how reinvestment will work. That that part uh, is is a bit of an open question mark. Uh, awesome. We were discussing before before we came on. Uh, you mentioned uh, the four year part of the spread curve as particularly attractive. Can you tell us a bit more why that is? I think that that's there aren't that many interesting parts in, in Canada right now, especially given kind of the directionality and rates. But uh, I think that that is one where there's something to, to talk about. I think we've probably had this conversation a bunch by now, Ben. I think it's mostly related to the fact that um, spreads in general in Canada are extremely elevated. Um, you have three-year, four-year, and five-year spreads all between 45 and 50, and that's just headline spreads. So we could talk about why that is, but I think we've done that a lot before. The peak of the asset swap curve does seem to be that off the run four-year part of the curve, which is something that's definitely worth watching. Any of that paper around June 25, SEP 25, and all of that stuff trades somewhere between 45 and 50 on a match maturity swap basis. And since it's the peak, um, selling that and taking a view that spreads are a little too wide in Canada, which does seem to be a popular expression, picks up a nice little bit of carrying roll to hold that. So anywhere you get close to around 50 basis points on a spread, uh, on a spread like that, it, there's, it, it shouldn't be sneezed at. There's definitely um, a good rationale to hold the short there, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I think that makes it fair. I mean, what's the role there? So what, what, what do, what a three, what a two year and three year spreads, where are they at? And so like, what's the roll down? So threes versus twos is a little less than 10 basis points um, on a, on a headline basis. And don't forget the way uh, spreads trade in Canada, you do have an exchange of uh, twos and five-year benchmark at that point. So trading MMS is just trading those one bonds. In this case, it would be SEP 25s or June 25s just to capitalize on the peak of that curve. I think uh, another way to play that four-year spreads or, or that 2025 paper is um, if you had a curve view, what happened post-Fed a few weeks back was that the cash curves uh, flattened aggressively. And the swap curves never steep into adjust for that. And so what you have here is a nice inversion of something like 510 swap spread curve. And a nice RB slant on it would be to do something like four-year versus uh, June 31s or something like that, just to add a um, RB slant to that as well and pick up a few extra basis points of 
roll in your direction in both of those bonds where June 25s are a nice um, sell and, and um, June 31s are a nice uh, buy, in my opinion, as well. I think that's that's a good opportunity in Canada uh, at a time where, again, it is, it is, it's been pretty challenging the way the market's gone. I've, I've been more than outspoken in my uh, kind of macro bullishness and 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 what the rate the rate outlook that goes along with that is it tends to be higher rates and I mean from a macro perspective I, I still can't get away from my thesis I, I like I I'm not there yet I, I don't see any reason to change my mind the market generally right now I, I think a combination uh, positioning is a big part of this uh, with ten year yields hitting their lowest level since February as that flashes on the television in front of me positioning is a big part of that still lots of shorts out there uh, and 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 given kind of Summer months, there's tons of uncertainty still out there. Summer illiquidity, call it. There's, man, do I get a lot of off- out of offices when I send out emails lately. I think all that together and people just kind of thrown in the towel on their shorts uh, and, 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 the, and the, the, the punish and carry profile for that has, has kind of driven this. Summer seasonality matters as well. Uh, summer tends to be a pretty good time for bonds. And so, I mean, I think, I think we are seeing some of that. So put all that together and that, that's where we are. I'm, I'm still of the belief that we get higher yields at the end of the year than we, we do now, but than, we, than where we are now. Uh, but the next few weeks are probably a grind sideways, just as the summer kind of drags on. Uh, so, that, I mean, probably probably get, get used to the, the price action of the past little while. Maybe not as violent and maybe not uh, the same, same type of strength, but uh, we could definitely grind stronger. What do you think there, Austin? I agree. I mean, we've been talking about Canada 10-year rate and also Provis and, and just long Canada versus US for quite some time. And it seems to uh, get cheaper in both rallies and sell-offs, as I mentioned earlier. But um, I do think positioning in the US is not clean yet. And it's definitely what's driving the bus, so to speak, but it's definitely cleaner. You have a an area where 10-year swap rates or, or, or cross-market levels do look compelling to be long Canada in a similar vein. And and I don't know if it's a de facto rate short, which is what I thought going into the year. Um, but I do think you're at the point where positioning is is likely much cleaner in the U.S. Probably still has a little bit to go, but um, I do think those levels in Canada cross market ten year rate are compelling to take a stab again from the long end. I suspect the cheapening does reflect very much the the probably cleaner positioning in Canada. We've had a number of washouts here so far this year, so I think people are. are slightly cleaner on this front than they are in the U.S. at this point. And so uh, that that's probably reflects a lot of the cheapness uh, in, in Canada at the moment. So, I mean, I, I think at this point, it's it's kind of really, I don't, I don't, I guess the question, my question would be, what's the catalyst to drive Canada to origin on a relative basis? Is it, is it, is it tapering? Is it the Fed actually announcing that maybe at Jackson Hole or, or, or in September? And if that's the case, then I guess like, well, you probably don't want to put that trade on yet. But definitely something to keep on the radar. And as maybe we, as Canada tends trade above the US uh, in, in rate, maybe then you put that trade on. I mean, it could be a reinitiation of shorts in the US. I mean, it could either work in a taper or a non taper situation in the US, in my opinion, because if taper is off the board, then maybe inflation is, or reflation, I should say, is hot again. Um, I don't know if you can <laughs> rinse that off and play that card again, but um, that's another way to view it as well. But if positioning is cleaner, and most guys I speak to want to have shorts on, either real money guys or hedge fund guys. They want to have shorts on, even here, even 10 basis points ago. I think those themes are going to exist. And now it's 10 basis points better for those guys to reinitiate. So it really depends on if you're playing, if you're clean or if, you're, or if you still need to get clean and, and what that actual positioning looks like. 
Austin, earlier you talked about the curve flattening aggressively. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's been the theme for the past week plus aggressive flattening in, in Canada led by tens. Uh, we've also seen some, some notable cheapening in, in the five-year sector on the curve. What is your view on the curve from here? Uh, have we flattened too much? Uh, is there steepening to come? Are fives actually cheap? Uh, they, they look like they're the cheapest in I mean, a decade or so, or, or, or darn close to it. Are they a buy here? I mean, in my opinion, yes. I mean, when you're talking about something like five years on the curve, to me, you're talking uh, not about when hikes come, but more about the pace of hikes. I think five stick out is cheap uh, for sure. Two's, fives, tens, swap fly above 20. Looks like a good receive. We've seen a little of that. It, you know, it just depends on what kind of pricing we're going to get in Canada. We did see fives get hit on the curve yesterday on Tuesday in a rally. So um, something I wouldn't expect to see, but it, it just isn't the main liquidity point in Canada either. Um, so it's something to watch out for. But twos, fives, tens above 20 in swap land, uh, definitely a nice place to take a step from the long side. I do think f- with where we're pricing hikes and pace of hike, I do think steeper curves in Canada make a lot more sense than flatter curves from here. And also... Um, provide a nice bit of positive carry, uh, something to hold on to as well. Definitely agreed on that front. Uh, any any other trades that you like before we wrap up this week? All of my trades seem to be from the long side, either twos, five, tens, or, or tenure uh, swap or uh, the front end. Pick pick your poison. But at this point, I think March OIS sticks out to me for sure. And I would start to put some on here. And I'd happily add if that goes against me. I do think that is going to be uh, free money that's found under the couch cushions. Something I like here for sure. Fully agree there, uh, and something I'll, I'll definitely be uh, looking at over the, the the coming days and weeks. Uh, Austin, thanks for joining me again, and I uh, hope you have a, a great afternoon. Thanks a lot for having me, Ben. Thanks for listening to Views from the North, a Canadian rates and macro podcast. I hope you'll join me again for another episode. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise it constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interest in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. 
This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter. And information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of, issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.